0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 19th episode of 2023. This year is really going by. Uh, before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Graybar. You know, a lot is happening in Washington, D.C. You know, there is a House Energy and Commerce hearing today on overseeing federal funds for broadband deployment. And on the Senate Commerce Committee is holding a hearing tomorrow on the state of universal service. And this hearing is going to examine the need for connectivity in rural and insular areas, for health professionals and providing telemedicine and telehealth, for low-income households that otherwise could not afford internet access, and for access to broadband in our nation's schools and libraries. The hearing is also going to explore potential reforms to ensure its effectiveness in the years to come. Also on Monday, this past Monday May 8th, a group of congressional Republican leaders sent a letter to the FCC's office of inspector general asking that he report to them on the effectiveness on the affordability connectivity program which is just underway and I think that's going to be a great program as we start kicking off our BEAD funding. At the Fiber Broadband Association, we are now getting ready for our next regional Fiber Connect workshop on tuesday next week may 16th in austin texas you know this is going to be an extremely important event given that texas will be eligible up to three billion dollars in bead funding you're not going to want to miss that so please register today as the hotel and workshop will be sold out you know after austin our next regional fiber connect workshop will be in lake tahoe california on june 21st not only is this a great educational event but what better place to be than Squaw Valley in June, so it's gonna be awesome. Also registration opened last week for Fiber Connect 23 in Orlando, August 20th to 23rd. This will be the biggest and best fiber broadband event in the world this year with over 4,000 attendees and an amazing program. The event has sold out the past two years and I anticipate the same this year, so please don't wait to register. Also, you need to book your room at the Gaylord. And yesterday we held a special webinar on improvements to supply chain. The Fiber Broadband Association Supply Chain Working Group provided an update on what's going on with the fiber industry supply chain. So if you missed that, you can catch the replay on our website under webinars. And then please join us tomorrow, Thursday, May 18th. That's next week. Please join us next week because that's my anniversary. May 18th uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, for our special webinar, unveiling our fiber uh, workforce development guidebook. So we just finished this big research project with Cartesian and we have a a guidebook that's gonna be really useful for all the states as they put together their workforce development plans for BEADS. So you'll be able to register for that webinar at our website under webinars. And that brings us today's Fiber for Breakfast session with Trent Edwards, the president of Mir's broadband division Discuss redefining the meaning of P3, people, partnerships, and preparation. Last week on Fiber for Breakfast, we heard from JJ Jones, um, the Fiber Broadband Association's chairman, and Rich Williams, our conference program director on what fiber will disrupt next. And it was a preview of our upcoming Fiber Connect 23 conference in Orlando, August 20 to 23rd. You know, JJ and Rich walked through the, what's gonna be the biggest and best fiber broadband conference in the world this year. So we look forward to seeing everybody down in Orlando. Today on Fire for Breakfast, we have the pleasure of hearing from Trent Edwards, the president of Mears Broadband Division on redefining the meaning of P3, people, partnerships, and preparation. Uh, With that, I'd like to welcome uh, Trent Jones. He's the uh, president of Mears Broadband Division. In this role, Trent leads all facets of division, including strategy, sales, and operations, Trent is a telecom industry veteran with nearly 25 years of experience. And prior to joining Mirrors Broadband, Trent served as the Senior Vice President of US Operations at Letcor Technical Services, and he was Vice President of Operations at Exo Communications. Trent has a diverse experience, which includes leadership and management roles in capital and network planning, engineering, operations, construction, network management, safety, and service delivery. He holds a degree from Nashville Uh, Technical Institute and he lives in Austin so I know that we'll see Trent next week at our Austin event but welcome Trent and for our audience please type in your questions as a go and work them into the Q&A so with that I'll turn things over to Trent. Hey, Thank you Gary and you know thanks to the entire FBA team uh,
1: Wesco and Graybar for doing this and thank you for this opportunity Uh, as we you know as I speak today uh will, I wanted to send out a quick poll prior to starting the discussion. So you all should see that if you would, uh, go ahead and place your, uh, vote on, uh, on the, uh, poll question. But as I, uh, as I start, uh, you know, this is a very exciting period of great bills coming up. And I am not going to speak from just totally the mirrors, uh, the mirrors perspective, but hopefully for all contractors and kind of our involvement in what's taking place this the uh, redefining p three model is something that we came up with from a uh, uh, from a Mirs standpoint obviously we understand the traditional meaning of p three a very important component of infrastructure build out but we thought it was uh, you know, very crucial to talk about these three components as we're in this period of, of the great build uh, that is coming up, uh, you know, over the next three to five years. So, uh, the first thing in the, the poll question talked about, well, what does everybody think as a percentage of uh, the deployment costs are, uh, to deploy a fiber to the home network? Uh, you know these are very conservative numbers but again what we've seen from uh, uh you see that you know it's somewhere between 60 to 70 percent of, of the cost is the actual construction Uh and you know when you talk about that it's very important to look into these uh, these three aspects the people to do all of the work that's going uh the the relationship that you as the owner or the individuals that the contractors have to, uh, and need to put in place to, uh, uh, to ensure a schedule, to ensure we do not have cost overruns, to meet all of, uh, all of your expectations from a budget standpoint, uh, and your deal standpoint. So, uh, partnerships. You know, there's a lot of disruption with construction and, and building and how do we stay in front of that and the preparation, you know, which we call the surprises in, in our world, right? You know, the thing Uh, the biggest issue that, that we face today in, in this is, uh, the people piece. Uh, the people piece, you know, here's what I tell people. If somebody tells you they have people today, there's one of two things. They're lying to you or they're not very good. Uh, let's, let's just be honest, okay? Uh, the people, the people piece is an issue. Uh, and, and it, and it's been an issue from a while, uh, from the age of the workforce to the younger generation coming into the workforce and, and opportunities to go after that. So, you know, I want to ensure you that there's a lot of preparation going on to address that. And that is recruiting and training are the two components of that that I would say are extremely critical. Uh, there's many avenues of that when you speak of, of recruiting. You know, we've seen, you know, when you talk, uh, you know, from a quantum mirror standpoint, we have, uh, you know, many engagements with, uh, you know, our particular programs, you know, through the Northwest Lyman's College and then through military programs. But, you know, I would advise folks to really ask those questions around how do you get your people, how do you support, how do you, maintain uh, your subcontractor workforce uh, because the subcontractor workforce is going to be critical for all of this build out Uh, the subcontractor workforce uh, is critical from the standpoint that is the higher majority of workers out there compared to the gc's like we are Uh, but they you know in some situations can't uh manage the commercial requirements like bonding activity and those kind of things so those relationships with gc's contractors is extremely important in his larger program so depending on the type and scale of your program you know we really need to uh, ensure as you're going into this banking pro- process and picking your contractor identifying that understand that people piece right uh really uh, understand that understand the approach time frames and how we're doing that, uh, in order to support your scale and your expectations of the field. Second is partnership. You know, I submit to everyone that, you know, these partnerships are crucial. Uh, and, and what I would like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of scenarios, the traditional approach to a build out where contractors are brought in late in the game through an RFP process. Because it is the most expensive fee. Uh, we don't apologize, you know, that, that, that we are a business. We want to make money, but we don't make the money that people think we make. Uh, there are very thin margins on our world and it is extremely important to get uh, contractors involved and engaged earlier historically than what we've done. You know, there's going to be. A shortage of contractors not in the, the true definition of shortage but time frames to get it. if people are going to start choosing who they want to work with uh how, how you know the best partners to work with and how we do that the benefits of going up front are like the community engagement piece uh, you know letting the community uh, the municipality the city understand what's going to take place uh you know there's there's going to be people out there building. It's going to be disruptive. Uh, it's going to impact school zones. It's going to impact traffic. Uh, but there's a huge benefit coming from that and the planning, uh, around that. The design, the topography, you know, how are you planning on, you know, deploying your network and how's the best way to do that for resources around that and the approach, uh, to do that. Uh, notification, you know, how are we, uh, how are we notifying the public when we're coming into their areas and understanding the 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 uh, entire approach that is huge and you know historically uh, you know you get a design a lot of assumptions are made having boots on the street walk these routes understand what actually can be constructible. Uh, you know you don't you don't want to surprise it as we talked about earlier, and that leads into the preparation piece, right? So, uh, do you want to put up that other poll question now, please? Okay. So, you know, this, this kind of, you know, this, this, I kind of answered your question, but, uh, you know, this is, this goes into the preparation piece, right? So this is the, this is the surprises, you know, the cost overruns, the, You you never want to hear the two words rock at her. Although, as a contractor, all of us will take your money. Uh, and, you know, but it's not, it's not something that needs to be a surprise around, uh, choosing to not understand the geography, the geology that, that, that in the area you're, 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 uh, you're building in. Uh, it is, uh you know the locate the the permit the permit fees we're seeing a lot of going particularly in these rural areas we're going into a lot of rural areas where it's single individuals that maintain their you know plant documentation uh individuals that are single individuals running permit offices uh single individuals trying to locate all of the material, all of the underground utilities uh, for any type of work, make ready in any type of aerial plant. The, you know, the, the loading on poles today, it, it becomes a scenario where, you know, it's huge costs that we're not planning out on pole changeouts for the act, because you can't add any more to the poles uh, in different scenarios, depending on where we're building. Uh, we make the mistake of contractors to say it's cheaper in the long run to build underground in a lot of scenarios when we're talking about aerial with all these things. It is absolutely not cheaper, uh, but it costs less in certain scenarios. So it's very important to understand that and, and the scenario you're building. And you may be an owner that has your own pole line. You may be an owner that has your own right of way, and this may not apply, but when we get into you know, to the tier two, tier three cities in the rural areas, we're seeing a lot of this take place. So the preparation is uh key. Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, with all of this, you know, the whole pitch is we, we just, we need to understand the construction and what is actually taking place out there. And be ready for us because we need to be ready for you uh, as we continue to grow into this money releasing and the huge investment that's uh, taking place. Uh, not, you know, I'm not close on the ISP and the community partners. You know, this is something that we as a construction company have to engage with. Uh, we have to ensure that everybody's aware of what's taking place to help the owner and to help us continue to keep runway in front of us and keep everything on track. But this, again, this is a period of great build and uh, we all should be excited about this, and it's something that uh, you know we really want to push out to the industry to let all of us as contractors continue to be involved and help. We're very excited about this and very excited of what the future holds for all of y'all. I finished this in one minute less than my time, Gary. I hope that was uh, okay for questions.
0: No, good stuff, and uh, yeah, so, Please put your questions in the um the question chat and i'll get to those uh, so let's kick off trent with uh, i mean, I mean samir's so you guys you're know, the heavyweights right you guys have been around over 50 years you've been with quanta which is the super heavyweight for over 20 years is there a certain size network that your guys are the best fit for or i mean i mean you obviously have the breath to do really large builds but what if you have a small network is I mean, what's your kind of sweet spot for your
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm asked that question a lot. It, uh it's difficult to answer. I'm asked what
0: makes Mears
1: different than the other contractors, that's difficult to answer. Here's how I would answer that though. Um we're different because of our people. Uh and and we're and when I say the people that we have in Mears that includes our partners that we work with. And we're different because uh we like to work uh, with partners that understand how important construction is if there's small networks you know we're a big company there's overhead involved in that and there's price implications to that for a smaller bill it may just not work and we need to be honest about that and move on or we could cluster many small projects together which is beneficial to the owners and beneficial to us uh, this industry has lacked a little cooperation at time around that and I would submit to everybody that you know it's something when we talk about these rural areas the clustering approach and those kind of things to to bring in you know a, a contractor that can achieve that and then bring the scale to that against you know quick timelines would be would be beneficial
0: you know when you look at these fiber um, projects you know these buildups they're creating a lot of demand on RDS slim um, existing underground utility uh, workforce. How do you coordinate between the existing underground facility staff, the excavator, the subs, and everything else going on in the project?
1: Well, a lot of that is just upfront cooperation in the beginning. You know, under, uh, them understanding what's coming and what you're trying to achieve as far as uh, your footage for day, production numbers, the customer delivery models uh you know that's uh that's that's huge and that way we can get you know potholing crews out in front two or three days we can keep production going uh you know keep the drills running and make that happen but that's that is uh you know i'd simplify that into you know upfront coordination is huge in that otherwise uh, low, you know, you locate can't keep up. That impact permits. You're hitting hitting things. You know, with the age of facilities, marked and unmarked. You know, unintentional always. But uh, it's that coordination is key.
0: Got a lot of really good questions that's coming in. Um, so one of the questions is, when dealing with the state procurement requirements, how do you bring on a vendor in the planning propo- process without becoming presidential? prejudicial in the bidding procurement process
1: and i guess they're speaking of the uh, american-made scenario i'm assuming uh you know it's uh we we are always agnostic as a contractor in our material a lot of times that is dictated by the customer a lot of times we have arrangements we being quantum mirrors we have arrangements with multiple partners uh in different scenarios of materials whether it be conduit whether it be fiber whether it be handholes, splice cases uh pre-buy that you know we have the capacity to pre-buy that and have it on hand and have the ability to uh uh you know like the owners do at times you know the big owners uh, you know who they are they they buy a large amount of fiber and materials and bring out we have the buying capacity to do that Uh, and you know and if it's not a matching scenario through these coordinations
0: and partners uh you know we have the ability through previous arrangements to navigate that and get that and um also one of the questions came in is what are you seeing on average uh on cost savings on aerial versus buried that must vary pretty widely huh
1: yeah i mean that's uh I mean that's a uh aerial is cheaper.
0: Uh like I said, uh you know, that depends on where you're building. Cheaper right? one, uh, but maybe yeah. not long run when you think about wildfires and hurricanes. Yeah, I mean that's
1: a that's a loaded question. I mean I I mean it's it's substantially cheaper when you look at it binary black and white, right? Uh but again, as I said earlier, there. There's been so much activity on on the uh, throughout the years, you know, back to you know the I guess probably since '95, you know, when the sea levels arose, and uh, you know, particularly in the metro areas and and, uh, suburban areas, not so much in the rural. Uh, But you know, where those that in those scenarios, you know, it will again. Underground is not cheaper, but in those scenarios it is. it behooves everybody to look at underground to achieve your goals, fast track to your revenue, and not have to go through the delays, uh, the cost overruns, you know, complain to your unit prices on
0: the area. Now you were saying that people, I mean, one of your the mirrors differentiation is your people. And I've seen firsthand the, you know, um, the family oriented business, you know, both at and Quanta, very, very family oriented, um, but the Lazy Q Ranch, is that, I mean, is it your people are just better trained? Can you talk about how you have the best people? Yeah, and we're
1: bold about that.
0: Uh, you know, I
1: mean, we've invested in Lazy Q Ranch, and thank you for bringing that up. I had that as a, uh, in my training, and uh, I was trying to stay on time went right past it, but yeah, for everybody that doesn't know, you know, we have you know, a couple thousand acre ranch in uh, LaGrange, Texas, uh, that is set up for, uh, all of our training, uh, you know, all of our disciplines within Juana. Uh, you know, there is a, you know, many, many acres dedicated to telecom, uh, live environments, uh, where we can train, uh, you know, get our aerial certifications. activity R&D with different partners on things we always welcome that and anything innovative around the industry uh, but yeah you know we we have deep relationships with uh, the military we have uh, the Northwest Lyman's College and lazy Q Ranch so you know it's complete housing At night, you know, clean. it sounds like fun, uh, yeah. No, it's all clean, fun, full table, shuffleboard, you know, games, that kind of thing. You know, this is you know, completely live environment, safe environment. Uh, you know, one week, two weeks, months training, uh, that they could stay on
0: site and be dedicated to the training. Hey, um, so I got to sneak this question in from my friend Kevin, but can you, I mean. It's really hard. And I get this question a ton as people are trying to plan with inflation. What kind of inflationary factors are you looking at over the next one to three years? Is it five percent a year, ten percent a year? I mean, what should people plan on? Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere in that five percent. Five percent. And is, is is that what you what you see from last year to this year? Is it about that same That's, that, jump? that's all. I- Zone. you know you're it's
1: uh you know i kind of describe it as the toilet paper effect during covid right uh there was a huge push you gotta buy all this stuff now you have to and uh and you know we all fell into it and uh i don't think it was anybody's fault it was just we were anxious of what was happening and trying to understand uh so i don't i don't I can only assume, you know, I think there, there is. I think it's fair for me to say that um, uh, materials are going to be a problem. Uh, I don't think it was a problem as fast as as we thought. So I, I don't know if we'll see that in the coming year,
0: it definitely, you know, 24 and beyond. What about equipment? I mean, I've seen, heard a lot of contractors, you know, that trying to find equipment has been really hard. They... Yeah, I, again.
1: Uh, you know, I'm not uh, an equipment guy. When I talk, you talk about
0: you know the the actual network here, I'm not the expert. F- F- person. Like you know the directional bores and backhoes and oh, you know. Yeah. With it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, yeah, when you're talking about that, look, Quanta has the third, fourth largest fleet in the United States of America. We plan ahead on that. You know, many different divisions within Quanta. Uh, that we transfer and move equipment around and the ability to buy. that
0: That is uh, not an issue for us in the event we need to get the equipment. Another big competitive advantage is you have a big fleet and you have ways to pull that together when you need it. Absolutely. Yeah, our, look, our, I,
1: I'm very, very bullish to say our biggest
0: issue is continuing
1: to develop and, and recruit people.
0: Well, Trent, really appreciate taking the time to get together today. Really appreciate what you and Mirs are doing to really build out our nation's broadband infrastructure. I mean, we're busy now, but it's gonna get real busy here in the next four years. So looking forward to um, just the whole industry, you know, doing what we can to get everybody connected. So thanks again. And I wanna thank everybody for joining us and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. And I'll be joining you from Austin. So hopefully I'll see many of you guys down in Austin next week. And I guess Trent lives there. So you should be able to go and sign up for the Lazy Q Ranch and go uh, play pool. All right. We'll yeah. see you guys. Thanks again.